F-R-E-E, free. I love that word. I love that word. I truly love that word. Every time I hear it or read it, it's like a little rush of dopamine in my brain. Um, I don't even have to ask if you guys agree with me. I know you guys do too, right? Everybody loves free stuff, right? I have this motto that I sort of subscribe to that says, everything is better when it's free. And I, I truly believe that. Uh, food, I love food. I eat so much food. I eat it all the time. But when food is free, the Myers just had me at their house the other night for dinner. That food tasted so good. Like the flavor is just elevated when it's free. Or, or even, even money. Uh, we all have jobs uh, as, as working adults. And a paycheck is nice, right? After two weeks, we've worked hard and, and we get our money. But if you just find money on the ground or somebody just gives you a gift of money that you didn't have to work for, oh, what an amazing feeling, right? Free things. Everything is better when it's free. And this is true for adults and kids. As a youth minister, and even before that, I've gone to dozens of youth conferences throughout my life. And I have never seen teenagers go more crazy than when free t-shirts are being thrown from a stage. And they know exactly what I'm talking about. I have seen children go ballistic just trying to catch chapstick. Chapstick. It's 99 cents at Walmart. But if it's free, like, it's, it's great. It's amazing. This takes me back to uh, when I was a little kid, like little uh, six-year-old Perry. Um, <laughs> I would often go to Bojangles with my grandfather. Every single Sunday before church, he would go, and I would go with him a lot of the time. It sort of became our tradition. Well, one day, my grandmother had gone outside to check the mail. She comes back in. She takes out all the, the relevant bills that she needs. She sets the rest of the papers down on the table. And as I'm walking past, I look down and something catches my attention. It's a sheet of Bojangles coupons. It was amazing. It was as if a light was shining from heaven onto the paper, like angelic voices. Ah. I should be a singer. Put me in the band. Um, and right there, just the big four letters, F-R-E-E. -E. And I immediately knew, wow, Sunday mornings are going to change. Like, we could just get free Bojangles. Grandfather, you don't have to pay for anything anymore. So I grab some scissors, I start cutting out coupons, and over the next few days, I'm constantly checking, are there more coupons, are there more coupons? If it says like half off, I don't want it. Only the ones that say free. That's it, that's it, I cut them all out. So Sunday finally rolls around. My grandfather comes to my bedroom, knocks on the door, hey Perry, you gonna join me at Bojangles this morning? And I stick up my chest, <laughs> why yes grandfather, I am, because breakfast is on me this morning. <laughs> so we get to Bojangles, walk up to the cashier, I give her my coupons, and I turn to walk away, and she goes, ah, oh, sir, that'll be 214. <laughs> what? What do you mean? <laughs> That's, the coupon says free. I know I'm just a kid, but I know how to read, and I know what the word means, like hello. And she has to explain to me, well, there's some more words there at the bottom. Maybe you missed. They say, uh, with purchase of. I felt like my entire life was a lie. <laughs> Everything I knew up to that point wasn't true. Everything was just a sham. And as I sat down to eat my not-free sausage biscuit and drink my not-free chocolate milk, my grandfather explained to me, hey, Perry, uh, nothing in this world is free. Like, yeah, there's, there's gifts and presents sometimes, but as a general rule of thumb, like a life lesson you should go ahead and learn, is nothing is free. Everything comes with a cost. And I think that story, personally, is pretty funny. Uh, but that's a true statement, though, right? Even all these years later, like, I still remember those words, and I understand that, hey, things aren't free. 
the question, what's the catch, exists because as society, we understand the idea. If something sounds too good to be true, there's probably a cost associated with it. Sure, you can get a free sausage biscuit, but you have to buy one first. Sure, you can get a free $200 Visa gift card, but you have to apply for this new credit card and get approved first. Sure, you can win a house from a famous YouTuber, uh, but you have to pay so much taxes on it. Like, it's not a foreign idea to us. Everything has a cost. Today, we are continuing our series, Paper to Person. And in this series, we're looking at different stories and episodes in the life of Jesus. The reality is, a lot of times we can just view these stories as words on a page. Like, we believe they happened. If someone asked, we'd say, yeah, but they're from like 2,000 years ago. They don't really have much bearing on us. So in this series, we're looking at these, at these stories of Jesus, the words of Jesus, and we're trying to see just how they do, in fact, impact us, how the person of Jesus actually does still speak to us today and still love us and work in us and even expect things of us. Today, I want to talk about this idea of how everything has a cost because the truth is that extends to following Jesus. Uh, maybe you've heard the idea, been taught, or even believed the idea that if we follow Jesus, it, it just entitles us to a bunch of free blessings. Like, that's it. Um, there's some truth to that. A relationship with Christ does bring love and, and joy, but there's also a cost. The person of Jesus holds expectations for his followers, and we're going to dive into that today and talk about it. We're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 8. We'll be picking up in, in verse 2. If you'd like to read along, if you don't have your Bibles, we're going to have it on the screen behind me. And if you don't even have a Bible, that's okay, because we give out free Bibles every single week on the way out. Just grab one and take it home. It's yours. It's for free. Genuinely, like it's free. Uh, <laughs> but before we start reading 8-2, uh, just to sort of recap the end of chapter 7, we find that Jesus is drawing quite a lot of crowds. He is gathering quite a lot of attention from various people. And as chapter 8 begins, and as we'll look through, we actually begin to see reason after reason for why people are following him. So, Matthew, chapter 8, verse 2. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him, Jesus, and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Jump to verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed. He's suffering terribly. Jesus said, shall I come and, and heal him? A centurion replied, Lord, I don't even deserve to have you come under my roof. But if you just say the word, my servant will be healed. Verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. So Jesus isn't just healing people by touching them. He's literally out here just speaking healing into existence from different locations. That's pretty cool. He goes to uh, Peter's mother-in-law's house. He heals her. News begins to spread. And then in verse 16, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word. And he healed all the sick. So Jesus just casually decides, I want to heal an entire town tonight. Like, this is the guy. Matthew's showing us 
this is the guy. Everywhere he goes, he has a following. He's the talk of the town. He can heal the sick, cast out demons. Like, what can't he do? We got to follow this guy. Of course there are crowds. And it continues. We're just going to skip verses 18 and 22. But after that, it keeps going. Just listen to some of these headers. We won't even read the stories, but Jesus calms a storm. Jesus restores two demon-possessed men. Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. It goes on and on. And truthfully, I think that this is the paper version of Jesus that we so often focus on. This sort of storybook character who just goes around handing out blessings like Oprah. You get healed. You get healed. You get healed. You all get healed. And, I mean, again, who, who doesn't want free stuff? Like, of course I do. Sign me up. Of course Jesus is attracting crowds. I want to be a part of that. I want to be involved. Free blessings. I think that it can be really easy for us to have the same mentality as these crowds here. We hear how God moves in someone else's life, or, or we even see him move in someone else's life, bless them, and we want that too. I mean, we, we see it here, we read it. Jesus is just changing people's lives left and right. He's not asking for anything. Jesus, heal me of leprosy. Okay, done. Leprosy gone. And that's it. So, so we want that, right? Maybe I should follow Jesus too, if it's, just, if it's that simple. But what if it's not, right? What if it's not actually that simple? What if there's a part to this person named Jesus that's a little different than this you know, storybook image that we have? What if uh, Jesus actually does say, hey, no, there's, there's something more to this. There, there's a cost. We're going to jump back to those verses that we skipped earlier, verses 18 to 22. And let's read those. Matthew 8, 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. So we see Jesus, he's about to cross uh, the Sea of Galilee. And this scribe comes up. He's expressing his commitment to follow Jesus. I want to be all in. Jesus, I want to be a part of this. Let me follow you. And Jesus says, hey, that's great that you want to follow me. Uh, but you should know what it requires. The, the healings are cool and all. But I don't even have a place to lay my head. And when we read this, man, all those like free blessings and healings, they, they don't really seem to be so free anymore, Right? Like this sort of seems like it could be that with purchase of fine print at, at the bottom of the coupon. Because Jesus isn't just rambling about animals. He, he's talking about the cost of following him. And the point he's making is that following me requires sacrifice. Following Jesus requires sacrifice. As I was uh, reading what different scholars had to say about this and, and studying about this uh, passage, there are really two suggestions to what Jesus' point was when he was saying to this scribe, I don't have a place to lay my head. And the first one is that he was literally saying, I'm homeless. Like, I don't have a place to lay my head. I have no home. Uh, and if you follow me, then you're not going to have a home. And you'll be physically deprived. You'll live in poverty. Is that what he means? 
I mean, when we look at Scripture, we, we do see an idea presented that believers won't always be financially well off. But we see a lot of time believers who have nothing. We see believers who are asked to give away what little bit they do have. And I've even seen this in my own life, maybe many of you have as well. Believers who pass up on well-paying jobs so they don't have to compromise their morals. Believers who sell everything they have and up and move to third world countries because they feel called there. Believers who say, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, but I'm still going to tithe because I, I feel like God deserves something first. I've seen this. I've seen people presented with this choice, Christ or materialistic things. And I don't think that it's a far-fetched idea that Jesus is talking about that here. He's saying, yeah, if you follow me and you're presented with that choice, you got to pick me. So that's the, that's the first idea. The second idea is this, that when Jesus says, I have nowhere to lay my head, he means that he will be socially rejected. Where he goes, people won't accept him. They don't want him there. And so if you follow me, like that's going to happen to you as well. You're going to be socially shunned. Does he mean this? Well, same thing. I, when we look at scripture, we see plenty of examples like that. We see plenty of believers who are hated by everyone in the nation, or who lose all their friends, who get locked up, exiled, tortured, killed. And again, I know plenty of people in my own life who have stories of broken relationships and lost friendships and sort of being excluded from groups because of their faith. And so which is it? What, what is Jesus saying here? Is he talking about social exclusion? Is he saying, hey, physically, just with material things, you'll be sort of deprived? I'm going to take a page out of Chris's book from a few weeks ago and say, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know what, what Matthew is specifically saying here. But what I read is Jesus telling this guy, hey, following me requires sacrifice. There will be times where you have to give things up. And, and it may mean standing up for what's right in, in a group of people who don't believe and sort of becoming alienated. It may mean not being able to have all the possessions that you otherwise could have because you're using your resources for, for me instead. I don't know. I can't tell you what it looks like in every one of our individual lives. But what I do know is that two chapters prior to this, as Jesus is preaching to all these crowds of people who come, he says that our first priority always has to be the kingdom of God. He says, hey, it's not about social status. It's not about financial status. It's about me. And if it comes down to a choice, following me means sacrificing the alternative. But when we think about it, like that's, that shouldn't even really surprise us, right? I mean, we see this in lots of areas of our life. That commitment requires sacrifice. Think of your favorite athlete. There's quite a lot of, of foods that they have to give up in order to keep that wonderful physique. Same with me, by the way. Uh, think of, of parenthood, right? When you commit to having a child, right? I've heard that you have to sacrifice quite a lot of money, time, and sleep. I wouldn't know. Relationships, marriage, right? You're sacrificing quite a lot of, of personal desires sometimes for the sake of your partner. So Jesus isn't presenting some strange foreign idea here, but he's just bluntly stating something that we sometimes overlook. And he says, hey, if you want to follow me, there's going to be sacrifice. It's not a possibility, it's a reality. 
Let's jump back into the story, though, and, and take a look at the second interaction, the second person that comes to Jesus. Jesus says, hey, we're, we're going to cross the Sea of Galilee, and this person comes up and says, hey, wait, 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 Jesus, first, can I go and bury my father? He sort of died. Uh, can I take care of that? Simple request. Jesus is going to say yes, except he doesn't. He says no. He says, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. That's pretty harsh. Jesus, that, that's actually really harsh. Let me retell this in, in our context. Imagine your father unexpectedly passes away. So you call your boss and you say, hey, boss, you know, there's just been a, a tragedy and, and I can't come in today. This is the equivalent of the boss saying, mm, no, clock in within 15 minutes. I don't care. Your family can handle that. That's crazy. Guys, that's actually crazy. That is insane to think about. I don't know about y'all, but I'd be like printing off new resumes. Like that wouldn't fly, right? But it's even more intense in Jesus' time. Like the Israelites were super serious about honoring your parents. And that included like burial rites. In fact, someone who hadn't buried a dead relative, they couldn't even participate in like some of the, the prayers and the, the actions and the, the religious commands of the community. So if you didn't handle uh, someone who was, who was dead, like if you didn't take care of all that, you couldn't really participate in normal societal interactions. So this is important. This is a big deal, what this guy's asking for. And Jesus says no. Like what, what's going on here? What's going on? Is Jesus just being a jerk? Is, does he really need this guy's sailing prowess to cross the sea? Did he know the dude's father on the side and sort of had some beef? I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so. I believe that just like the previous guy, Jesus explaining, is explaining there's a cost. One, following me requires sacrifice. But two, following me doesn't come with a pause button. Following Jesus doesn't come with a pause button. What do I mean? Well, when we take a look at who's talking to Jesus, we see two different kinds of people. The first one is a scribe. He calls Jesus teacher. But the second one is actually a disciple, and he refers to Jesus as Lord. So he's already following Jesus. He's someone who's already committed, who said, I'm in. And so, yeah, what he's asking for is important, but also at the heart of it, what he's saying is, hey, I want to take a temporary break from following you to take care of this other stuff. I know I'm committed, but I just sort of need to, to pause this now, take care of my stuff, and then I'll be back. Is that cool? Can we do that, Jesus? <laughs> and Jesus is like, no, no, that's not how this works. It's not that handling uh, everything with your passed away father isn't important, but as vital as that is, I have to take precedence. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you can't just tag in and tag out when you feel like it. I have preached here maybe like four or five times, and I think maybe like 90% of those times, so probably three or four out of those times, I've had some kind of reference to video games because I love them. Congratulations, today is no different. When I was a kid, I grew up playing video games. Um, I'd always play them either by myself or with my siblings, my sisters, like in the same room. And so if we had something to do in the middle of a game, it was very simple. Well, we just press pause and come back to it later. As I got older, I began to play multiplayer with other people. And here's the thing, my gamers already know this, when you're in an online match with other people in real time, there's no pause button. 
And so my grandmother would occasionally come into the room and say, hey, Perry, I need you to take the trash out. I need you to help with groceries. Or Perry, dinner's ready. And I'd say, I can't, Grandma. I'm in the middle of a match. Just pause it and go back to it later. And I have to explain, Grandma, that's not how it works. <laughs> there is no pause button. But once I'm in a match, I have to finish. I have to play until the end. I have to be committed. Jesus says, look, there's a cost to follow me. Once you say I'm in, like, you've got to play until the end. You've got to be committed. You can't just pause when you feel like it. But don't we try that sometimes, though? Like, I don't really want to read my Bible right now because I'm sort of tired, so I'll just pause my spiritual disciplines just for tonight. I sh- probably shouldn't be talking about this. Like, this feels like gossip. But I'll pause my convictions real quick just for this conversation. I want to fit in with these people, and so, like, I'm just going to pause my typical, like, good behavior, what I know is right, just while I'm around them, and then I'll pick it back up. I really want to tell this person off because they made me mad. So, like, my patience and my kind words, my nice speech, I'll, I'll just pause that just so I can give them a piece of my mind. And then I'll, I'll go back to it. I haven't really been going to church lately. Stuff keeps coming up on Sunday morning. But that doesn't mean I'm not a Christian, right? So I'll just pause it, and I'll, I'll get back in, in a few weeks. We do that. And here's the thing, though. <laughs> I actually don't even say that list trying to step on toes. I say that because I've been there. These are all things uh, f- from my life. Um, but I do think maybe some of us could say, yeah, period, I, I get that. Because we try that. We try to press pause in our relationship with Jesus. What this guy's asking for here, it's not inherently bad. Again, as we said, it's actually really important and should be taken care of. But Jesus says it's not how it works. I know it's important, and it may seem inconvenient to not handle that and to stick with me, but that's what you've got to do. I have a girlfriend named Michaela. Some of you guys have, have met her before. Um, she's come around to some different events. And I was imagining the scenario if she called me this morning and she said, hey, Perry, uh, just for today, like, we got to pause our relationship. I'm not really going to talk to you. I'm not going to answer your FaceTime tonight. I'll probably even maybe, like, FaceTime some other guys today. But then we'll pick back up tomorrow, like, and we'll be good. No, no, that would not fly. And spouses, I know y'all can agree, like, if your husband or your wife tried that, absolutely not. No. <laughs> but isn't that what we try with Jesus sometimes? Again, even just for a day or two. That's not how it works. Maybe this, like, you know, storybook, like, paper version of Jesus who's all, like, smiles and love and free blessings, no questions asked. Maybe he wouldn't care, but no, the, the real person of Jesus that we see here, he says no. In fact, two chapters later, this is what he says, Matthew 10, 37, anyone who loves their father or mother, so good things, more than me, are not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter, really great things to love more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take up their cross and follow me, whoever doesn't sacrifice anything else that may come in between us, whoever isn't fully committed day in and day out without pause, they're, they're not worthy of me. Guys, following Jesus, it isn't free. It comes at a cost. But you know what? It's worth it. Following Jesus is worth the cost. And yeah, like for heaven as well, but, but even before that, when we follow Jesus, we get to be a part of establishing his kingdom here on earth. In other words, maybe you've heard this phrase a lot lately, we get to bring pockets of heaven with us 
wherever we go. We see even just a portion of what this looks like in Acts chapter 2. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. What happens when we follow Jesus? What does it look like to see God's heaven here on earth? Well, it's lonely, isolated people finding relationships. It's orphans, abandoned children being given a home. It's judgment, racism, hatred, giving way to love and acceptance. It's people who struggle with depression and suicidal thoughts realizing, hey, I have worth, I have value. It's families that can't afford to pay bills being provided for in their time of need. It's people with shame finding forgiveness and freedom. It's life change when we follow Jesus. We get to see life change, not just ours, but we even get to be a part of doing that for others. And on top of that, we get eternal life. As a good friend of mine, uh, Patrick, put it recently, we literally get a superpower. Like we get immortality granted to us. That's amazing. Yeah, there's a cost, but it's worth it. This may sound like a random question, but anyone in here ever check their spam mail? Anyone? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I do, every now and then, just because I'm curious, like what kind of stuff didn't make it through to my inbox? So a few years back, I was checking my spam mail, and I got an email from a Nigerian prince. I know, I know, crazy, right? Me, his mouth just, oh, like what? Yeah, but it's true. His name was Richard. And he told me that he had $2.5 million with my name on it. I, I'm, I'm being serious, I'm being serious. Um, all I had to do was send him $3,000 first, just to like cover shipping expenses or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and you know what? Bank of America stepped in. They said it was fraudulent and they wouldn't let me do it. But I was going to, I was committed because yeah, like I didn't really have $3,000 to give up at the time. But for 2.5 mil, it'd be worth it. I could take two weeks of like destitution and not eating for $2.5 million. Guys, following Jesus, no, it's not free. I'll keep saying it, it requires sacrifice. It's something that we have to commit to every single day. But without a doubt, it is so worth it. Every week, uh, Chris likes to give a challenge. Uh, and I like to follow in his footsteps. So I want to send you guys home as well with one, something to focus on over the course of the next seven days. The problem is I couldn't come up with one. I was, I was thinking about it, and, and I was asking people. And um, <laughs> ultimately, the decision was I'm not going to challenge you, actually. Me, me Perry, I'm, I'm not going to challenge you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read Jesus' words. And I'm going to let them challenge you. It's pretty short and sweet. Listen to what he says. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up their cross daily and follow me. 
if we're not sacrificing our own pursuits and comforts and desires for Christ, if we're not denying ourselves, and if we're not committing daily without pause, are we really his disciples? I don't know. I'm I'm not going to say yes or no to that either way, but what I am going to say is that Jesus says it's necessary. Yeah, it's a cost, just like everything else, but it is oh so worth it. Let's pray.